Parsha Yitro. This is, of course, the uh, culmination of the Exodus event. They are now at the mountain, back where it all started, right? That's where Moshe was with a burning bush. And it's been a little bit, but Moshe's back now. And it's not just the bush on fire anymore. The whole mountain is enveloped in flames. So the heat sure is getting turned up. I'd like to begin there this morning with a proper reading, a read-through of at least the Ten Commandments here. So usually David fits that in in the liturgy, but I thought we'll get to it now. Um, that'd be Shemot chapter 20. Page 82, I believe we were all right there just earlier as Tirzah was finishing up. Um, so I'm going to give a little read-through of the Ten Commandments here. Shemot, or Exodus chapter 20, verse 1. Then God said all these words, I am Adonai, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the abode of slavery. You are to have no other gods before me. You are not to make for yourselves a carved image or any kind of representation of anything in heaven above, on the earth beneath, or in the water below the shoreline. You are not to bow down to them or serve them, for I, Adonai, your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but displaying love, uh, grace to the thousands, thousands uh, generation of those who love me and obey my mitzvot. You are not to use lightly the name of Adonai, your God, because Adonai will not leave unpunished someone who uses his name lightly. Remember the day Shabbat to set it apart for God. You have six days to labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Shabbat, is a Shabbat for Adonai, your God. On it, you are not to do any kind of work. Not you, your son or your daughter, not your male or female slave or your livestock, and not the foreigner staying with you inside the gates to your property. For in six days Adonai made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them, uh, but on the seventh day he rested. This is why Adonai blessed the seventh day, Shabbat, and separated it for himself. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land which Adonai your God is giving you. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false evidence against your neighbor. Do not covet your neighbor's house, do not covet your neighbor's wife, his male or female slave, his ox, his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Amen. <clears throat> what I wanted to look at today in particular was just one commandment and get some thoughts on that, and that would be the fourth commandment. Um as expressed in this tradition, and that's the commandment on Shabbat. Obviously, many of us are very familiar with Shabbat, but it seems like there's always something new to learn, a new little angle, a new perspective, and I saw one, so I thought I'd share that with you. And that is, of course, the eighth verse. Remember the day, Shabbat, right? Zakar et yom ha-Shabbat. Shabbat is... Uh, Needless to say, very foundational. It's spelled shin bet uh, tav, and it's used here as a noun, obviously denoting what the seventh day is. It's the Shabbat. But like all Hebrew words, it has a range of meaning. Unlike English, many different words mean many different things. Uh, like, for example, the serpent in the garden, nakash, Used as a noun, it can be translated as serpent. When used as an adjective, it can be translated as shiny, such as like the shiny brass in Visions of Daniel. 
or if you use it as a verb, nakash, it can be used as means like divination and is attached to Bilam the prophet. So that one word used in different ways means different things. Same thing with Shabbat. For example, uh, go to Genesis chapter 8. If you like making notes in your Bible, this is interesting. Genesis chapter 8, near the end of the chapter. We're talking about Noah here, right? Uh, like verse, uh, we'll start at verse 15. I got a minute. Um, God said to Noah, go out from the ark, you, your wife, your sons, and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing you have with you, birds, livestock, and every animal that creeps on the earth, so that they can swarm the earth, be fruitful, and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out with his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives. Every animal, every creeping thing, and every bird, whatever moves on the earth, according to their families, went out of the ark. Times are good, right? The flood's over. Noah built an altar to Adonai. Then he took from every clean animal and every clean bird, and he offered burnt offerings on the altar. Adonai smelled the sweet aroma, and Adonai said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of humankind, since the imaginings of a person's heart are evil from his youth, nor will I ever again destroy all living things as I have done. So long as the earth exists, sowing time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night will not cease. That word there, the last word, cease, if you look that up in the Torah scroll, that's Shabbat. It's just translated as cease here because it's verb form. But it's the same letters. That's the root of that shin bet ta, but here it's uh, translated as cease. Many other examples of that too. In the book of Joshua, it says that uh, when the children of Israel went into the land, uh, they stopped getting manna. The giving of manna ceased. Same thing, that word there is Shabbat. So Shabbat, of course, has this, uh, brings with it then a connotation of ceasing. And it has a long history. Embedded right in the Ten Commandments, right, is a, a reference to Genesis chapters 2, verses 1 through 3, which reads, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished along with everything in them. And on the seventh day, God was finished with his work that he had made. So he rested, and from the, uh, rested on the seventh day from all the work which he has made, and God blessed the seventh day and separated it as holy. Interesting. First thing ever uh, that gets declared holy isn't a temple or a piece of land where you have to take your sandals off. It's time. I mean, think about it. In the garden, before there's sin, there's mankind, and the seventh day is declared holy, set apart from other days. So in a sense, mankind who was experiencing a holy set apart seventh day in the Eden, in um, you know, in the Edenic state. That just kind of that's before anything else was given. It's sort of like that seventh day that is holy is embedded right in the fabric of creation, and it's something that's meant to be there. You know, so much of the Torah seems uh, it's almost as as a result of our sin. We have to be commanded not to do certain things, but the seventh day being set apart is something that happens that was like embedded in creation. Anyways, headed back to Shemot. Tradition says the introduction of Shabbat came at a time of history just a few chapters ago in Exodus chapter 16. This is where the date for the commandment for Shabbat came from. 
And it's kind of centered around, of course, the, the manna. Shemot, Exodus 16. Um, I'll start reading at verse 19. Moshe told to them, no one is to leave any of it till morning. He's talking about the manna here because they're out collecting manna. And Moshe is telling them they have to eat it all that day. No one's to keep, leave any of it till morning, but they didn't pay attention to Moshe. Of course not. They have a habit of doing that. And some kept the leftovers until morning. It bred worms and rotted, which made Moshe angry at them. So they gathered it morning after morning, each person according to his appetite. But the sun grew hot and it melted. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, just or two omers per person. And all the community leaders came and reported that to Moshe. And he told them, this is what Adonai said. Tomorrow is a holy Shabbat for Adonai. Bake what you want to bake, boil what you want to boil, and whatever is left over, set it aside and keep it for the morning. So um, that's being set aside for a holy day. So in and of itself, that's making something holy. That's just the definition of holiness is setting something apart for a divine service. That's all. Pretty simple. Gather it six days, but on the seventh day is the Shabbat. On that day, there won't be any. Um, however, on the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather some and found none, of course. You know, and people, stiff-necked. So Shabbat was already a thing, even before the Ten Commandments. It was already a thing here earlier, but really it was already a thing ever since the universe was created. So back to Exodus chapter 20. I was reading this doing some light reading on this. and There in verse 8 it says, Remember the day. The Hebrew word there is zakor, which means to remember. It's a very good translation. But it tends to be, um, it's true, one needs to remember Shabbat, but it's a little bit deeper than that. It's not like you're supposed to remember it as opposed to forgetting it. It's supposed to be something that is uh, set apart. The primary pers- purpose of creation the creation of rest every seven days is that it really gets our attention back on our creator. So we're supposed to remember that. But there's another word that gets associated with this, and it's found in Deuteronomy, because the Ten Commandments are told another time in the book of Deuteronomy again, but there's a little bit different wording there than um, remembering. So if you were to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 512, we'll be coming back here, so keep a finger there. But just so you know, Deuteronomy 5.12 has this commandment again. Actually, all the commands, Ten Commandments. A little different wording. Page 203 in the Complete Jewish Bible, or Deuteronomy chapter 5. It starts in verse 6. Is Moshe, of course, is that's the beginning. Deuteronomy is kind of just really repeating Israelite history at this point. And here on verse 12, it says, observe the day of Shabbat. Not remember it, but observe it. And this is the Hebrew word shemor, right? It means to guard or watch or protect. Observe is a good translation too. But many times it is uh, translated as guard. For example, Proverbs 13.3 says, he who guards his mouth preserves his life, right? That guard there, shemor, the same word used here just that says observe the day of Shabbat. You're supposed to guard the day of Shabbat. So there's two words really that get linked up with this commandment. Remember it and guard it. One suggests a uh, conscious awareness of it and the other suggests action. So I like the mental and physical applications that can be drawn from 
these two. It's just not something that you remember. It's something that you must work on protecting in your life. So back to uh, the commandments here in chapter 20. One last thought I had, and this is really out of left field. I was thinking about this, that it's uh, in light of last week. I was talking about the second exodus last week, right? You read in here um, about the commandment for the Shabbat. It says it's not, uh, let's see here, you're not to do any kind of ordinary work or any kind of work, your son or your daughter, that makes sense. Um, your male or female slave, not your livestock, and not the foreigner staying with you inside your gates. So it's not, it's certain foreigners, and I found that really interesting. I was reading that. You know, the foreigner that's staying with them inside their gates. Who are these people? Well, these are the people, this is the conclusion of the Exodus. These foreigners are the people that left with them and left with them out of Egypt. Now, how they meet up in Egypt? In Egypt, they are perhaps neighbors, acquaintances, co-workers on some level of these, uh, their fellow downtrodden people from other nations. The Israelites are really being oppressed. They feel bad for these guys. They used to know them. Their families used to do business together. They live right down the street. Yet uh, Pharaoh's really coming down hard on these Israelites. And one day, one of their leaders shows up, and all these plagues start happening. And they start thinking, these guy, their God is a true God. Their God's a powerful God. Sort of like Ruth. You know, you, it clicks in some people's heads. And so when they're getting ready, they're talking about leaving and going out from there. They're like, hey, can I come with you? I mean, I, you know, what can I do to sign up for this program? And so you have people joining themselves to that nation, much like Ruth did, right? Your people are my people. Your God's my God. Right? You die, I'll die. Or you're buried, I'll be buried. There's people that are willing to uh, break from Pharaoh and the gods of Egypt and go out with these people. Those are the foreigners staying with them. That's the mixed multitude. And so, if there's going to be a second exodus, like what gets talked about in the prophets, where his people are being called back from the four corners of the earth, and the picture that the prophets, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, that they paint, that the nation will be redeemed and will um, be part of a kingdom of nations. And so if there's a second exodus where the people are getting called back, is there going to be another mixed multitude that gets pulled back with them, just like in the first exodus, because everything's a pattern and everything's cyclical. And if there is a mixed multitude that gets pulled back in a second exodus, what does it look like to be within the gate, their gates at this point in history so that you can be part of that mixed multitude that gets drawn back with the nation of Israel? Not that I have a systematic theology worked out on that yet, but that was just something that I found uh, that I hadn't quite thought about and put together. But I think about it a lot. One often encounters those who seem unconvinced on the matter of the Seventh-day Shabbat, of course. There's a lot of traditions out there of what day is uh, the Shabbat, I ran into one fellow that said, when there's the new moon, you start counting seven days from that day, and that's the Shabbat day. And I said, well, that's kind of, I can see your logic, I suppose, but that means like the last week's going to end up being like eight or nine days long. And the Bible's pretty clear, you count to six, and the seventh day's the Shabbat. I don't know. 
Lots of creativity out there. Of course, one of the main traditions everyone's familiar with is the Sunday, um, is uh, Sunday worship, Sunday Shabbat, which is nice. It's good to worship on any day. Nobody's tossing anybody out of the kingdom. But there's a little irony here that most believers say they follow Jesus, but what did he do? It's the old what, 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 WWJD argument, right? I think Luke 4.14 is a good scripture reference to commit to memory. If you were to turn to Luke 4.14, a couple interesting things I noticed here, too, when talking about Shabbat. Of course, Luke chapter 4 begins with uh, Yeshua being led out to the wilderness, right? 40 days of testing by the adversary. He uh, rebuffs all the adversary's temptations with Torah, of course. And then coming out of that, he is uh, filled, right, with the Spirit. And verse 14, it says, Yeshua returned to the Galil in the power of the Spirit and reports about him spread throughout the countryside. He taught in their synagogues and everyone respected him. Now he went to Nazareth, this is verse 16, where he had been brought up. On Shabbat, he went to the synagogue as usual. Now it says as usual. There's other versions like the NASB or the Tree of Life version that says it was as custom. And I think that better sort of encapsulates what's, you know, it captures better what's going on here. Because he went, the, going to synagogue was his custom. I wouldn't, couldn't say Shabbat wasn't his custom because Shabbat isn't a custom. Shabbat's a moedim that happens every seven days, whether it's your custom or not. It just is what it is. But going to the synagogue was his custom. And it's a custom because there's nothing about the synagogue that's a commandment. It's a tradition Yeshua followed. Everything about the synagogue is tradition. Nowhere in the Torah are we commanded to build a synagogue or have an ark or have a Torah processional or have readings or have a reading table. None of this at all is commanded in the Torah. It's strictly 100% tradition of man. And that's the same thing here in chapter 4. That synagogue is complete tradition of man, yet that was Yeshua's custom. That was what he did in his life. And if that was his custom, well, why wouldn't we think it shouldn't be something we're at least interested in or curious about? Because that's what he did. That's how he lived his life. If we're going to live a life focused on Yeshua, loving like he did, with his unconditional love, even for his enemies, even for those people that um, were putting him to death and, and beating him. If we're going to walk like him in his mercy, be willing to um, um, sit with the downtrodden and the lowly, the, the lowly uh, that are in this world, you know, that's, that's, uh, living that life is, when you're taking that to the nth degree, and it involves everything that he did, how he lived, um, what holidays did he observe, where did he go to church. All these things need to factor in. Living life focused on Yeshua, right, is a path, I believe, that leads to Torah inevitably, at least as far as I can see it. It leads there, but we get there by following Yeshua, right? We don't follow really anything but him. Was Shabbat one of his customs? Eh, it's the fourth commandment. Certainly, synagogue was his custom. And so we should not only, um, you know, getting back to Shabbat, we should be guarding Shabbat, of course, 
But really, we should be guarding all of God's word. Really, that you can broaden that out. In this way, we're being consistent with the whole of Scripture. In this way, I think we can show ourselves to be very consistent with how we read Scripture in the eyes of the world because we've been getting this movement is getting more and more known. I mean, it's still pretty small, but a lot of visitors and a lot of people interested. That's because a lot of people in this world are waking up. Many of us have frustrations about the world being not so good, and there are parts of the secular world that seem to, at times, boast about anything unholy. There's always weekly demonstrations of that, but it's not all wickedness. There is a lot of redeeming qualities and moments and people that are out there. For example, Patrick Mahomes, very public figure, He's a quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs, very open about his faith. When asked about uh, you know, his success, the first thing he says, I, I attribute it to God. And so it's nice to see that there are people out there that are very influential that are still you know, um, willing to acknowledge him in a public way. So there are redeeming moments and people, people are waking up. As people begin to receive revelation and start to seek, we need to be ready to be good ambassadors of those whose allegiance is with Yeshua, but also whose biblical worldview is whole and consistent with every commandment guarded. Because if we decide that we're going to take one commandment and tweak it or change it a little bit, then there's really no, you know, that's a slippery slope. You can pretty much uh, explain away anything then. And then you're left with a, a path that's very inconsistent. It's not always easy because we live in a, uh, if it was, we lived in Israel, it'd be one thing, but we like live in Egypt. And so it's not always easy to have the sort of biblical worldview we have where it's, um, of course, we follow Yeshua, but we see that path of discipleship is very different than other people that also follow Yeshua. And sometimes when it comes to in-laws or co-workers or neighbors, um, even though we're still following the same Messiah, our paths of discipleship are very different. Like I said, no one's getting tossed out of the kingdom here. I just think that at the end of the day, the consistency, it's easier to uh, be more consistent when you take all the commandments and guard them very well, like they're supposed to be guarded, and don't let them change because that um, keeps the integrity of God's word as one whole complete work from Genesis to Revelation. It's one complete revelation. It should, shouldn't be um, Old Testament and First Testament. It should be maybe First Testament and Second Testament or that would be a better way to even delineate that. Anyways, we should be good ambassadors. We keep guarding his work. We keep guarding his word. And we just need to be encouraged in that as we go forward. Um, may we continue to guard Shabbat, of course, in all of God's word. May the Spirit be within us, encouraging us, strengthening us, right in the path of righteousness. And may our hope in Yeshua and his kingdom be ever greater as we grow in our walk um, with him. Shabbat Shalom.